the Sharks lose <laughs> in uh, in epic fashion against the uh, Arizona Coyotes, five to two. Arizona has a multi goal outburst in that third period, and uh, unfortunately, the Sharks uh, can't pull it together. We'll have all that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and interact with us, check us out on all the social media, that being the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube chat, Reddit, and of course, all the shenanigans that go down on the Discord, all of that and more over at TealTownUSA.com. I am pleased to be joined by Mark Eisenberg. How are you doing, Mark? Um, I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Well, I mean, I could have done better with, uh, you know, a, a win. But, you know, at this point, uh, I'm just taking all of the uh, little moral victories I can out of the season and uh, watching for more of the development, uh, so to speak, than anything else. You know, I've kind of made my peace with, um, ooh, and I should change that final because that's not three to two. And that's what I was trying to do before. It was five to two, but it was five to two coyotes. Um my mistake but yeah no um at yeah at this point i'm watching for development and i'm watching for um you know what the the prospects and young kids are going to start to to bring up and i'm seeing some good things and i'm seeing some some major areas that need to be uh be growing but uh would you would you take away from this game i mean it was kind of a kind of a weird one to be honest with you. yeah that's the exact word I was going to use is very weird. Uh, at times, the Sharks, well, actually, yeah, most of the game, I feel like the Sharks were very dominant, um, but just no finish and just some weird breakdowns in the defensive zone, some weird plays. Um, and yeah, great goaltending um, for the Coyotes. So, and that was the difference, I think, tonight. Yeah, I mean, the, the Sharks would kind of uh, start us off with, uh, you know, an interesting. Um, I guess an interesting highlight in the fact that the second power play unit uh, scored um, that first power play unit did step onto the ice and create a few decent chances. But really, it was that second unit that really drive play. And I thought, well, Scott Reedy and, and John Leonard did a really great job down low. Merkley actually just setting it up um, perfectly with it with a keep in on the blue line, you know, puts puts a shot on net, gets tipped by Leonard and then the tip in from from Reedy and. Honestly, good to see that that young uh, core uh, on that second power play unit really um, push it to that first power play unit um, because I think we we have seen this team I think guilty this year of maybe feeling like the first power play unit is untouchable you know and those guys are going to be set in their spaces and they didn't really sometimes they can ebb and flow with the with the quality of power plays we get from that first unit I think. What did you see on the second unit, uh, Mark? Yeah, and I was happy just to see those guys getting an opportunity together on the second unit. Um, I thought they had great puck movement. Um, Merkley did a great job carrying the blue line, possessing the puck, moving it to the right players in the right spots. Um, and then, yeah, it was just a double tip. But overall, I was happy to see Leonard get his first point because I think he's starting to get his game a little bit more together now, getting shots on net and also like carrying the puck a bit more. 
Um, so yeah, if we can see a little bit more offense from some of those depth guys, especially the young ones, could give us something positive to end the season with. Yeah, and and again, I think at this point, you know, for for anybody that I, that's going to be re- you know recommending watching Sharks games and. I, I, you know, I, the the thing that I'm going to be looking for is the growth, right? And and I wouldn't recommend watching a Sharks game because at this point, you know, it's very raw. Um, but you can start to see the little the little seedlings start to you know start to uh, root take root a little bit. And and you know the one guy that I look at is John Leonard. I think John Leonard tonight um, did some really really good things in that first period. Um, I thought that the team in general looked pretty good in that first period I didn't like the latter half of the first once you know Nick Ritchie scored his 10th um you know that one Brent Burns just gets bulldozed and you know misses an assignment and really I mean it was a Brent Burns giveth kind of giveth and taketh away type of night um and and you know it's unfortunate because the Sharks have to play with a razor thin margin anyways when you give up that tying goal at the end of the first it kind of deflates the team yeah, and I think it was Megna who was back there with him on that play, but Megna had his guy. Um, but the thing is, he was forced to cover two players. They get the pass right in front, easy goal there, and then you see Burns kind of just floating in the background. So not a good look there, um, but I agree with you on the first period as a whole. Um, the shots were coming. It easily could have been a multi-goal period for the Sharks, but Vamelka, I believe is how it's pronounced. Vimelka, he yeah. had a great period, um, a great game as a whole. He was just stopping point blank shots in front of the net, yeah. left and right. Yeah, I and and again, I I think, you know, the the Sharks put up some really really good decent shots on net in that, um, uh, you know, in that first period. I think the shots were eleven to four in favor of the Sharks. You know, they did have the power plays that. Um, you know, kind of did help them out. Um, and, and again, I think going into that, going into that second period, I had some, you know, some good uh, mojo going for the Sharks. You didn't like the, that goal in the end of the first, but hey, um, you know, you go into the second and it, you know, kind of just resets the game. But then Jan Janik um, with his, uh, <laughs> well, it was the first of this season, but it's his third goal against the Sharks, believe it or not. Um, and uh, he gives the Arizona Coyotes the 2-1 lead. And and this is the point where I started to feel like the Sharks kind of let the sloppiness into the game. And I think that at the I would say at the the middle portion of that second period, you could just start to see the turnover start to amass. You saw that the neutral zone play was getting stymied, and you were seeing that Arizona was kind of standing up a little bit more at the blue line. And it just really killed the that line rotation, that good fluid rotation that we were seeing in that first period. And, you know, Brent Burns would end up getting um, a goal with um, – 14 minutes into that second period, uh, Hurdle and Meyer with the assist there. Um, but that was surely because that set, that first line woke up. But throughout, I, I would say up to that point, it was it was pretty middling in that second period. What did you see from him, Mark? Yeah, I think the second period was the Sharks' worst period of the game. Um, it was a bit more level. Um, and like you said, Arizona is definitely getting a bit more in the play, especially after that goal. Um, I think the first line had a few really good shifts in a row and that ended up resulting in that Burns shot that I think it just pinged off right the inside of the post, but it was pretty 
ice level. Um, it was a good shot though to find its way in. It's kind of a little bit more like old school burns where he kind of takes that shot from the point and finds a way in. But yeah, that period wasn't pretty. Um, and I, myself, along with, I think the rest of sharks, Twitter was expecting Merkley to be reassigned to the AHL right after that goal. Right with that with that blow that tire blowout but i mean we did see that was one thing i wanted to bring up uh, tonight was oh boy that ice was really choppy it, it it looked like um guys were losing their foot footing left and right i think it actually whiffing, uh, whiffing yeah. exactly and i think it directly had a result on on you know the the horrific injury we'll talk about in that third period but i think tonight's ice surface was was two thumbs way down for me and and felt like it it put the players at risk um and and i think we saw it um especially like you had said i think um eric carlson was really affected by the ice i think you know ryan merkley we saw him have that blowout um you, you know in front of his own in front of his own net taking himself out of the play Eric, um excuse me brent burns um you know had a few uh pretty big whiffs and you know some moments yeah. off of his skates so um you know I'm kind of glad that Arizona is moving out of, um, of of Glendale at this point um, because, quite frankly, it's been a joke since they've been there, um, and, and they should have never left Phoenix, um, in, in my opinion. But, um, hey, you know, the, every, every NHL franchise wants a new building, right? So, you know, from that perspective, it was a good move. But um, tonight just kind of goes to show you and highlights how that ice has just not been kept up. Uh, over the years and and just again i think it we'll get into the injury but i think it did play some some factors eh, and now we go into the third period which is the period that i really didn't want to talk about because this was just a total onslaught by arizona and not through any fault of the sharks own i think the sharks had a lot uh, of shots on net and they pressed quite hard but arizona just literally swung and hit on every mistake that the Sharks made. Jan Janik would score again, um, and it would be his fourth goal in five appearances against the Sharks, and he's only played five games in the NHL, all five against the Sharks or something like that. It's, it's no, maybe 11 games, five against the Sharks, four goals yeah. in those five games. So, uh, you know, kind of becoming a guy, uh, you know, a, a quick thorn in the side of Sharks fans, that's for sure. But um, he kind of starts it off, and, and at that point, you know, I think the Sharks, I don't know if it was a mental thing, but you could kind of see that they were now not as selective with their shots, meaning they were just throwing everything in the kitchen sink at uh, the goaltender. And quite honestly, you know, this kid stood on his head. He, he made 19 staves, um, and, you know, Carl Valmica? Valmica? Vamelka. Vamelka? Vamelka. Yeah, Carl Vamelka just kept them in it and really, I mean, stole that stole that show in the third period because he, he was standing on his head. Um, you also had uh, uh, Barrett uh, Hayden with the goal, um, and that would, that would come with the Sharks having the goalie. Um, no, it wouldn't come with the goalie pulled. It would come right before they would pull their goaltender at 17.02. That was kind of the backbreaker. Um, and then Nick Schmoltz would would score on an empty net unassisted, uh, and that would be the game 5-2. And it was kind of weird because there were a lot of good things that you could pull from the Sharks. 
Um, again, you had uh, 42 shots on goal. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, Vilmelka ma- making 40 saves. I mean, you can't really account for that every night. But as we've seen with the Sharks in so far as confidence with the puck as they go into a period down, they seem to to funnel more and more shots on net, but they get less selective with their shot making. And to me, a lot of those shots were kind of low danger and they were kind of more trying to crash the net. And I, and I get the strategy, especially when the ice is that poor, you've got to kind of adjust for that. But what was the, in your thinking, what was that, that, light that just went on for Vimelka in that third period because it, it just looked like he turned something on there Mark yeah and he was making a lot of I think it was you were saying crashing the net and there were a decent amount of those saves that were second and third chances um in close on net um I think again it's just a weird period because the Sharks had the shots they had the opportunities they had good puck possession movement but again a few breakdowns and results in the back of your net and i'm not even gonna fault reimer for this game because i don't really feel like he had much of a chance on all but maybe one of those goals they're all just defensive breakdowns or just great opportunities right in front of the net um whether it was a pass or just a straight shot but um yeah it's just it's such a weird game to judge the sharks because like that you've mentioned the ice obviously was crap um they come away with 40 plus shots and I'm talking like every line getting shots. Like you look at the third line, I think they generated like 10 or 11 shots. Um, I don't think there might've been one or two players on the team who didn't have at least two or three shots. Um, so top to bottom, they were getting their chances. Um, and they looked pretty good. I feel like for the most part, moving the puck around, finding open spots, but they just didn't have like the finishing touch tonight. Obviously the goalie had something to do with that. But also, like you said, I think some of the shots might have been it might have been a better opportunity to pass again, maybe look off for a better shot. It's just it's just a weird game to see because you you watch it and you don't think this is a five two loss. Right. But at the same time, I don't really feel like they necessarily played well enough to get a five two win. So it's just a it's a weird game to look at um, and say they played well, they played bad. Who really is at fault? I, I don't know. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, you know, now we'll, I guess we'll get into the, into that, that horrific, horrific injury in the mm. third period. Um, it happened in the, in the later portion of the third, you had, uh, Malosh and, um, Keller going, uh, driving in, uh, into the Sharks d- defensive zone. Um, Keller has, uh, the, the clear ice advantage. He's got the puck on his, on a stick. And, and of course he's, you know, uh, coming in on a, it's like a pseudo two on two, um, good positioning from the defenseman there from Malosh. Um, you know, and he's got, he's got a good stick check in on Keller. Now when Malosh frees his stick from Keller, it, I don't know if it changes its directory necessarily into the boards, um, but what it does is is it does affect a little bit of the way he's got to position his skates. Once he makes the correction, because Malash has that stick check kind of in on his body, um, he overcorrects, loses the edge, and goes directly into the boards. The right knee takes the majority of the impact there. He then kind of topples uh onto his hip um and 
you, you see a dangling leg there and and no and and this is a, a another um you know another bad on you on um on the broadcasting team tonight and and I say this from the production value because you hear Keller's screams and you hear him wailing on the ice you see the trainers come out onto the ice with the stretcher and I can hear the audio barely, but I, I'm reading the lips of the trainer and it says he can't even move his knee. And at this point, you know, I, I that's all that I heard. But you look at the knee, you look at, at the hip socket, you look at the femur. I mean, it, it, it was bad. It, it was bad. And like we had said, there had been a few certain cues and a few certain... Uh, little missteps that you saw throughout the game and you saw the way in which the puck was kind of traveling tonight that ice looked like it was chippy like it was it was kind of um, a lot of snow buildup and, and it was chipping a lot and so when that happens you get guys just hitting the ice kind of on at awkward angles and and those those skate blades have no they're not skating over ice at this point they're skating over divots and pull out, you know, have a toe pick, you know, or, or you have where you have to make a, a slight adjustment with the skate blade and you lose your edge. And that's what we saw tonight. And un- unfortunately you're, you're sitting there as a, as a melange and you're, you, you must feel horrible um, because you know, you're the last person he's touched when he's going into the ice, but that's on no fault on, on his own. He had good defensive positioning. I liked the way that it was. I mean, the the whistles were kind of weird in that third period because I thought that there was a lot of hooking and grabbing going on that they were allowing from both sides of the of, of the ice. Um, but you could have called a hold there because he did technically have his arm kind of draped over him. Um, but the, it was stick-on-stick stick contact, so I think that that was kind of the saving grace there for Melash. But, again, horrible injury. And, and what did you see from it, Mark? I mean, I feel like... It was just a... Yeah, it's yeah. just a painful scene. And when you see that happen, it definitely puts things a little bit more in perspective. You kind of start forgetting about what the actual score is in the game and the result. But, um, yeah, the way he hit the wall, too, the I just honestly thought it could have been anything. I mean, it looked like even his face kind of crashed into the boards, too. And at that speed, who knows? So um, I, I'm guessing it definitely was some sort of break or fracture, I think, in the leg. Um, and, yeah, it's just an unfortunate situation, too, because like you were mentioning, it's hard to know whether there was like a rut in the ice right there. When you watch it in slow motion, it definitely looks like I think it was his right skate that kind of like toe picks, but then also like curves up. Yep. Um, yep. And it's like he just couldn't get traction. Um, and at that speed, you're just not going to stop. And most likely the way you hit the boards is not going to be pleasant. So, I mean, he's coming on a yeah. two on two basically. And they're, you know, they're doing probably at least. 15 17 20 miles an hour at that point because yeah. they're they're going full board trying to trying to crash the net and <laughs> oh it's is that one that one's gonna keep you up at night that one that, yeah it, i don't see that a positive outcome <laughs> of that injury like there, a lot of times you root for maybe just like a pull or a strain but the way he hit the boards i just don't see how it's not something broken it or torn something um but we'll have to keep our fingers crossed for him um, that it's somehow something minor. Yeah, so from the coach, we get uh, Keller and Malash just made contact just before Keller lost an edge. It's good to see him responsive. 
uh, yeah, kind of similar to, to what we had kind of explained. Um, Keller was in pain right away, so I was yelling uh, for the refs to blow it. Uh, that's from Logan. Of course, Logan has had you know, numerous injuries of the same type of magnitude. And uh, of course, you, you know, he, he's going to, he's going to call that play and, and ask for the refs to, to, to blow that immediately down. Cause that's catastrophic. Um, he also had mentioned, we had chances, three posts. Uh, we have to find uh, a way to get more goals. Um, we're bottom five of the league. We give up grade eight chances in the slot. When you give up those chances, you have to score more than two. Um, again, you know, the Sharks, uh, the the offense has been the focal point insofar as the disappointments of the season. And uh, and he's not wrong. Um, that's for sure. Um, we turned the puck over. We kind of alluded, alluded to that a little bit in the second period where those um, giveaways really did kind of show up and, and was very evident. And uh, and yeah, I mean, honestly, at, the, at, at this point, you know, it, <laughs> we're starting to get into cliche land, you know, because the team has had so many up and down performances. Um, and, and I guess just add this one to the list. Um, Mark, I mean, final takeaways and thoughts from the night. And, um, you know, what what do you think the Sharks should kind of build on and focus on next for the uh, for the mental victories here? Because at this point, I mean, you know, the, the, the season is now about the mental victories. <laughs> Yeah, I think one of them obviously is the depth you mentioned, but one of the things that I've noticed is I've I've actually been pretty pleasantly surprised with some of the young defensemen. Like, injury play aside, I think Malosh has actually been pretty good. Um, And he was a former second-round pick, so maybe he's kind of coming into his own. But the guy, he's looked pretty steady. And, you know, he's a big body. He plays physical at times. So I'm kind of liking what I'm seeing from him. Um, And... Obviously, I think Merkley has looked far better than he did the first few few games he played. And he's, you can see the puck confidence. You know, he's making plays that only Carlson on the team can really do back there. Um, and he's looking good doing it. He just needs to, I think, get the puck to the net a little bit more, and um, which he did on the first goal. But in general, I think he needs to get the uh, puck to the net a bit more. And I think the offense will come with time. But I'm really enjoying watching him with the puck. And I don't think he's I playing mean, that poor defensively either. I mean, except for I, that fall. But Yeah, yeah. And, and again, I give him a pass on yeah. that one. That one's kind of a freak. You yeah. know, it's, a, it, it's, it's, it's ice conditions. I, you, you chalk it up to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, for me, Mark, at this point, I don't see how you don't play, how you stop playing him throughout the rest of the season. I think you just for let sure. him go and keep him on that, that um, pairing with with Vlasic, it seems like him and Vlasic have you know kind of formed a little bit of, of some mojo here. It almost reminds you of uh, early Boyle Vlasic pairing days, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's it's good to see that those two have gotten on to um, you know a good rhythm. The thing that I have been really really excited for, and really you're starting to see it now. Ryan is playing with a little bit more confidence. And you see the vision that he has. To me, he sees the ice at such a different level. He gets he gets the guys in the corner. He's you have to kind of always be ready and always have your stick on the ice with him while he's got the puck because it it seems like anybody and everybody will get that puck if you're close to the net. He's just zinging that to you or through you. Yeah. 
And that's the thing that it's now adapting to the NHL level, which is key, because even when they drafted him, one of the things they said is his offense, he just finds a way to make plays that you just don't expect. I think there's times when you see him make a pass and the forwards not even expect to receive it because it's just a great pass. Um, and I think you're st- we're starting to see that now. It's just, like you said, the vision, but also the ability that comes along with that vision is just getting the puck to the place it needs to be, carrying the puck up the ice, great breakouts. Um, so I think the offense is starting to come in terms of actual like production on the score sheet. Uh, I expect more of that going forward. But at this point, I don't see how you couldn't play him. Even when Ferraro comes back, I assume um, it's Megner or Malash who would sit. Um, so he's got to be in the lineup. He's he's got to be in the lineup. He's gonna he's gonna push somebody you know off the the roster at this point to me because you know the way that I see it now is you have your you have your three righty three dominant righty offensive uh, of guys in, in Burns Carlson and, and Merks, um, and then you put a you put a defensive defenseman with each of them. So you know with with Burns it was Ferraro for a lot of the season. You know Malash Megna have have also gotten turns there. Um, you know Shimek has also flirted with the with the Shimmick pickle or with the Shimmick snake uh, combo again, but um, you know he, he's not really been consistent um, with his playing time. Um, so you know you have Burns with with a with with one guy, and then of course with with Carlson it was uh, Middleton for a long time. But Malash has, has slid in there nicely, and then of course mm-hmm. he also got Nikki Kanijov on the. Uh, you know, on the um, on the horizon. You know, it's not going to be for this season, of course. But what I'm kind of thinking now is going into the off season. I, to me, this team is is one, maybe two defensemen heavy now at this yeah. point. Um, and it definitely makes that Middleton trade a, a lot more understandable too, um, because they have an excess number of D men, and you got uh, Kinyazhev also doing very well in the AHL. So he's another guy potentially for the future. Um, But, I mean, obviously putting the I mean, it's a good problem to have. Good problem to have, right? Oh, for sure. You can never have too many (laughs) D-men. But putting aside his contract, because we all know it sucks. But even Vlasic hasn't been terrible recently. Like, he's he's doing well for a third-pairing defenseman, which, yeah, you don't pay a third-pairing defenseman $7 million. You pay them, like, less than two. But he's been reasonably okay for the last, I'd say, few weeks. Well, so. I, and like I said, when he was placed with Merkley, I felt like mm-hmm. he'd breathe some new life and, you know, showing the old dog some new tricks. I yeah. think maybe he just – again, we saw Vlasic flourish and really become that stud defenseman when he was with Dan Boyle. I mean, yeah, you know, of course, Eddie played with Blake for a little bit, you know, and, and Eddie played with, with Danny for a little bit, played with Erhoff right. for a little bit pre Bronny for a long time um but you know he he needs a a steady partner you know that's that's the Mm -hmm. thing is he's had a steady guy with him and this is the first season that I can recall him not being penciled in as a full-timer you know driving his own you know pairing so to speak he's always kind of been shackled to you know one of the kids or you know shackled with maybe one of the you know, having to play on his offside, a guy playing on his offside or something. So to me, having a steady offensive righty has, I think, really helped Flasic's game. Yeah, and I like the pairing. So I have no issues with them staying together. Um, I really want, like you said, them to kind of focus on just pairing someone with those three offensive guys. 
um, and then find, finding what fits. Uh, I mean, I hope they don't rush Ferraro back, but it sounds like he could be back in the next week or so. Um, so, and then up front, we have LeBanc coming back. So hopefully another thing I'm looking for is for him to finish the season strong because right now he's his value is just as low Cratered. as he's going to get with that contract. So Cratered, yeah. Yeah. Um, Ricky bringing up a great, uh, you know, a, a great little snippet and, and, uh, you know, appreciate, uh, the talking point here. Burns to Dallas, 25% retained for a pick and a prospect thoughts. I mean, Dallas, you, you like the story as far as, as, as a Pavelski Burns reuniting there. Um, to me, you're going to, I, I look at a team more like New York or maybe, you know, somebody, like that who's looking for a a steady veteran offensive defenseman presence that that can bring along you know a young up-and-coming blue line and that's that's the kind of the part of the of the career arc I think Bernsey's in now is you know he's kind of the elder statesman yes on on one point he's also a big focal point for this team on its offense but I think he's a second pairing guy now and um you know maybe you know, as far as, as, as offensive, you know, potency kind of middle of the pack, second pairing offensive guy for me, what, where do you see Bernsey and, and what do you, what do you think we got to do on that blue line? So I've seen the Dallas trade proposals for a while. Cause they do think that like, if he's going to get traded somewhere, that's a spot for him. Um, but I just, I, I think with the way the cap is, um, there's going to be a lot of good teams that would struggle to fit him in, and they're not going to be able to trade him to a team. Like a bad team's not going to trade for him. They're not going to be giving up picks. So it's got to be a top team, and do you want to, if you're top, top team, acquire a defenseman who's getting $8 million a year to play on your second pairing? Uh, I mean, if that's your missing piece, maybe. Um, but I think the better move for the Sharks at this point, since they're saying they want to compete, right, is to... I'd say tone down his minutes a bit because I the one thing I think is he's been overplayed this year and I think we've even said it in the past is that I think with toned down minutes maybe he could be more effective and really they need to embrace Carlson as the guy who's going to get the most minutes when he's healthy. Um, so I, I don't know if if there is a trade out there I'm I'd be happy to move on from his contract because he's definitely I think a diminishing talent. I still think he has talent and I still think he's a valuable player but he's definitely diminishing. Um, and with that contract, I think the Sharks could do a lot with that space. But I'm not terribly optimistic. There are, there's a move there. I don't know. It's I, and possibly I think an off-season thing. And we'll I think see. that's part of the problem that I have with Bob Bugner is I think he's a little too close to Bernsey, right? Mm-hmm. And I still think that Bugner sees Burns as the Norris Trophy winning guy and, and not you know, as the, you know, 36 year old that he is. And, and, you know, look, I mean, I, I love me some Brent Burns and, you know, he has been uh, a rock staple on that, on that blue line. Uh, every guy has to, has to change his style as he gets, you know, as he gets older, he has to accept new roles. And um, I think it's time for the bandy to really come off. The Brent Burns is the number one alpha man and and i think you're absolutely right they gotta have to pass that torch to eric carlson now with carlson i have a separate issue of he needs to show me that he's durable you know yeah. for an entire season um you know he's he's hasn't had a full 82 games in a long time and that's scary to 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 turn the keys over to to the guy who 
you can pencil him in probably for 60 plus sure but if you're looking for that 82 game minute muncher he's gonna you know take 28 minutes a night on the on the blue line. i don't think eric carlson is that guy either yeah and we've had some legendary luck with burns health because when we first acquired him he had some health issues early on but i think it's been like what seven eight nine seasons with no injuries with burns and for your top defenseman to have that sort of health for that period of time is huge for the team 37 but like 37 yeah. everybody yeah but like you said um it's time to kind of shift roles i mean we did it with jumbo we had to drop him down to a third line center he we didn't force him to that first line role anymore those last um couple of years so it's like it's time to i think acknowledge that with burns and at least level out the playing time and in terms of carlson um you're right i 100 percent get nervous anytime i see him fall a weird way or skate slowly to the bench i'm like oh shit what happened but the thing is with him the one thing i have this season from him is i at least have confidence in his abilities because i feel like he's looked a lot more elite when he's healthy (laughs) this season as opposed to prior seasons where he looked like he was just lacking the skating is completely different this season he doesn't look like he's laboring to get around um and that to me is his most important asset uh you know in his skill set is the skating once his skating is right everything else falls into place for eric carlson Mm -hmm. um you know we did see some shot diminish you know early on the season because of that forearm issue that he had but to me, Eric Carlson has always been more important as the guy skating the puck out of the zone and at least just having enough energy in his passing. Because to me, he's a, he's a pass facilitator, right? I mean, he's he's yeah, he will shoot. Yeah, he'll take a one-timer. But it's more often than not, he looks to set up his teammates from, you know, from the blue line. So... To me, like you had said, I think that there's some optimism for, um, you know, Eric Carlson going forward. He, he finally, mechanically, he looks okay. Um, but again, you know, he's got to me. He's still got to prove to me that 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 the that the durability for at least seventy games is going to be is going to be high. Um, the other thing is, you know, his this is a guy that also plays through a lot too. I mean, and and how long did it take him to get that forearm surgery before? You know, he ended up doing it. Yeah. So, and he's done uh, that a few times with the Sharks, where he's played through injuries, and they only get worse. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, I wanted to also bring up. You know, we've got some some uh, stats here from the next wave. You know, just kind of looking at some of the prospects, some of the guys that I'm be interested in, in getting some looks here up on the big club. Yoakum Blickfield. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about Yoakum Blickfield. This is a guy who. Um, has not been seen in the NHL since his <laughs> since his suspension on the hit uh, of Nathan McKinnon. Um, I don't know if that blackballed him amongst the coaching staff or what, but are we going to see Joachim Blickfield this season, Mark? I, I don't know. Like, I, just give the guy a few games. Like, give him a chance. It, it, we're a team who lacks for offense, right? He's got a great shot. Um, just give him a few games I, I don't see the issue like I don't know it, it's one of these things that baffle me I wonder if there's things behind the scenes that go on I, I don't know it's one of those times where I'm like wondering what's going on what are the coaches saying to each other what is the AHL coach saying to the NHL coach what is management saying like why is this guy not gotten in a single game like they've given I feel like everyone a game this year and he hasn't gotten a game like give the guy a chance 
Give the man a chance. Um, moving over into the NCAA, I mean, Tommy Bortolo and Alex Young are lighting it up. I mean, these are two guys. Tommy Bortolo is 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 a human highlight machine for you know for his team in Michigan, and um, I'm I'm super excited, so jazzed that he's in the system, and and really excited to see what he's got come, you know, come camp next season. Um, you know, out of the NCAA players, who 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 kind of gets you going and wants wants to see him up here and, and get a shot? Well, definitely Bordalo, like you said, is our top NCAA player, and he's actually going to be playing against our goalie, uh, Magnus Corona, in the um, Frozen Four. So that's a game to check out. That I, I I don't recall if it's Friday this week. Um, but I believe it's that's Friday. a game that's worth watching if you're a Sharks fan. Should be nationally televised. Um, but yeah, Bordalo, I have a feeling he will go pro after this season ends. So that could be as soon as Friday or it could be as late as, um, the championship game. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't even mind if the team gave him a few games in the NHL. Why not give him a reason, sign go pro and say, Hey, we're going to throw you into a few games. <laughs> Let's cam ward this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't used that one in a while. Um, we got some other guys too. I mean, striking out of the out of the CHL. I mean, Brandon Coe, um, a guy that has just burst out, and now all of a sudden, kind of looking at, at one of those um, Berkeley Goodrow Diamond in the Rough kind of players. There, I mean, what what are you seeing out of Coe and and Robbins over in the CHL, uh, Mark? That that you know, I they they got eye popping stats. Yeah, well, Coe had the interesting situation where he couldn't play juniors last year, so he played in the AHL, and I'm pretty sure Lacey could probably speak to this even better than I could, but he didn't look out of place, really, especially towards the end of his um, stint in the AHL, and then this year, he's just tearing up the OHL. <laughs> I mean, um, he's, I mean he's, he's, met, he's a man amongst boys. <laughs> he really yeah, is. Yeah, it was the size and the speed, and when you have speed at that size, that's always going to be something that catches eyes, so he'll definitely be at least with the AHL next year, if not possibly making the NHL. And then you got Robbins, who's just kind of a speedy player all across the ice. Like, he does everything. He plays smart defense. He's a great shooter, creates offense. Even if he's not shooting, he's passing the puck across the ice. Like, he's been an MVP caliber player for them this year, and he's another guy. There's just a wave of guys that are coming next year that probably could make the AHL, if not NHL team. Um, the Cuda should be very interesting to follow oh hell next yeah season, i think oh yeah. hell yeah i mean you got you got linus olberg also over in shl um mm -hmm. he's 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 a, a nice little fine in the seventh round and in you know actually scoring more than than Eki is but you know of course there's there's Eki and and that's the guy i think we all circle in as okay pencil him in you know second line right wing to me uh, or second line left wing um because i mean I, he was this close to staying, anyways. But it looked uh, like he could have. Yeah, I I think he's it's gonna be it's gonna be his. Put it to you this way: I think he's gonna become more of a core piece and an integral member sooner rather than later. And by that, I mean definitely next next season. I expect him to do some good things. Yeah, and he is his team is currently fighting for their lives, I think, to not get relegated in like a seven game series. But once that's done, um, their season's over. So he could even come and finish up, depending on how the dates align in the AHL. Um, I don't think they'd give him another NHL game this season at this point and burn the um, year of his entry level deal after sending him back. But who knows? 
And and then of course you know we also have Ozzy Weisblatt still still there. Danny Danielli Gush, Gushkin is also on the radar. I mean, this has been the most stocked pipeline. I had I had been talking about this in our in our um, Teal Town Twitter DMs for a little while, but this is the most stocked since I've seen since you know Pavelski's 03 class coming through. You know, and and, and having all of those those young players. I think you had a young Seto there. I mean, at this point, I don't think Logan had been even drafted yet um but really you know tory mitchell had, had come in it was really like that first real good homegrown crop and um I, I like i said i haven't seen our system be having this much depth since since the early 2000s so i'm liking the positioning i i think that the uh the three seasons of heartache have have been proving fruitful on the prospect side and i think again for me it gives me hope um, which therefore allows me to watch the big club with the, those glasses of okay, where are these kids going to play? You know, where and and how are we going to maximize this roster going into next season? Because there's a lot of options, and I think there's going to be a lot of interesting options come next season. Mark and the Sharks make oh, there you yeah, go. you able to hear me? <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, assuming the Sharks make some moves um, to fill out the NHL lineup. I don't know if they're going to go into next season with so much youth, if being that they say they want to compete. But you you think about it. I mean, the AHL team is pretty much going to get almost two full lines of players coming in. I mean, you have most likely Bordalo. You got Ozzy, Robbins, Gushin, Co. All these guys are going to be there. You're still going to have Rashka, who's already with them, but he's going to be on the team next year. Um, and then. Even I think Ethan Cardwell could be there next year, and he's been doing very well this year. We drafted him last season, but he was a year removed from his actual true draft season. Right. Um, so you have these guys joining, and I mean, it might be worth uh, watching every Cuda game next year with all this talent there. Well, and maybe even getting yourself a, a season ticket if you're in San Jose yeah. to to that new that new rink because one, exactly. you're gonna have an awesome new rink. Two, you're going to have a lot, a lot of young and up-and-coming guys who are going to be, um, you know, nipping at the chance to get an NHL spot because there's going to be roster spots available, and and I, you know, I think that there's going to be a good, uh, a, a good refresh of, of forwards around, you know, around the the centerpiece that you build around Hurdle, right, with that contract mm-hmm. that that's who you're dictating is is going to be the centerpiece along with Couture, so. Definitely got some really cool pieces coming and got some interesting pieces in the pipeline. Um, it kind of gives us hope and gives us a lens to which to watch these games that we kind of still have to suffer through a little bit. And then, of course, we also get this year's draft pick, too, which should be, um, you know, should be pretty high. You know, and I, and I would yeah. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stake a claim out and I'm going to say number eight. Eighth overall mm-hmm. is what's going to go to the Sharks, I think. Okay. I think it won't be anything worse than 12th at this point. Um, I'm just going to keep my fingers crossed for some lottery luck because I feel like the Sharks deserve it at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Sharks without a first round, a first overall pick. And, you know, again, uh, I will always uh, – I will go to my deathbed saying Eric Lindros should have been wearing teal. But uh, that mm-hmm. being said, um, yeah, it would be, be nice to, to come up with sevens on that, uh, on that uh, good old um, roulette – wheel or or uh, craps tables whatever <laughs> yeah exactly whatever but uh, pulling up pulling up that shark head first overall let's do it yeah for sure i'll take shane right oh uh 
and uh, <laughs> AJ over there manning for us. Thanks over on the Teal Town account. He wants to wait and see until the new rules come out next season from the GM meetings. We'll see. Um, you know, there have been rumblings that the uh, lottery odds are going to be adjusted yet again. Um, who knows at this point? I mean, each you got to think the general managers and the owners um, want to make it so that you know if 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 they're dumping money into a uh, into a team that's losing you know that there's going to be a good shot for them to increase their odds but again from a competitive standpoint from a league health perspective it's not always best to reward the the most losing franchise because it kind of just uh rewards them for losing and and not getting better so it, it it's 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 a it's a very delicate situation, and I almost wonder if maybe you do a reverse, you know, the, the the highest team out of the playoffs becomes first overall and have it so that now you're you're fighting to be competitive all the way up to the playoffs. I, just the, the one kind of thing that had been interesting to me, but I don't know, Mark, quick thoughts on that, and, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll end it up because we're getting to that 45-minute mark. Yeah. Um, no, I think they've already made some of the adjustments that – improve the lottery system they've changed it that only the top two spots can really um shuffle they're not doing three and then also you can only jump 10 spots now so you don't have teams like the rangers finishing just outside the playoffs and then climbing all the way to the number one pick so i, I don't know I've, i'm kind of torn on it because i'm i'm okay with the lottery system now and i prefer a lottery system versus no lottery system so i don't really think they need to change much with how it is but i also don't like the whole encouraging tanking thing so it's it's a tough one to kind of pick there you know it's better than like football where you just have these teams that are like oh in 16 and they get rewarded with a quarterback who is forced to then play on a terrible team for like 10 years so yeah but i mean uh, for every you know for every cleveland browns number one overall Danny, mm-hmm. you know johnny manzel i can also give you a peyton manning who transformed a, a franchise, franchise for indianapolis true. so it really it really is luck of the draw as far as the type of character you're going to get out of a number one overall pick. I mean, Sidney Crosby, for Christ's sake, saved a languishing, you know, Penguins franchise, you know, a franchise that couldn't get sold. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, he, he comes in and he really does, you know, he really does mark and, and, and not mark, but but creates his own legacy, lasting legacy in Pittsburgh arguably keeping the franchise there so you know like i said for every ryan leaf there's a peyton manning for every um <laughs> you know for every alex ovechkin you got a nail yakupov so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep. uh yeah and then of course you know faulty synapse the oilers screwed up everything <laughs> yes they did they broke they broke the system and uh you know that they're, they're the ones for all of this so let's uh, call it the oilers rule the, the yeah. oilers <laughs> exactly well mark uh, where can the people find you when you do in these days uh marky mark sjs on twitter um really just working grinding you know i'm actually traveling up to canada this weekend for a hockey tournament so that should be fun Ooh, uh, pictures for the instagram it. pictures for the instagram <laughs> Uh, yep, for sure. Contact AJ. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as far as <laughs> me, I'm I'm at Eric Landy, E-R-I-K-L-A-N-D-I across all the social media garbage. Um, you know, just been uh, you know manning the the Teal Tan account. Um, you know, picking up my hosting duties. You'll see a lot of me next month. So uh, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up on the calendar. 
Uh, and uh, in case you missed us and you want to check us out again, check us out across all of the, the uh, podcasting platforms, that being Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, the YouTube Rewind. you got the SoundCloud uh, updates. You've got Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartMedia, and of course, iHeartMusic, excuse me, and of course, everything and more at tealtownusa.com. We really appreciate all the likes, subscribes, comments. We get that uh, we get that algorithm kick if you're commenting on these videos. So go comment away. Tell us how we uh, how we doing. Uh, if you want to get your questions up on the show for the next after dark, send us a comment. We might get you up there. <laughs> oh yeah, hockey jerk i love it uh we'll end it out on this one hockey jerk saying uh when did we start about talking about track and field landy <laughs> well with that i think uh i think we'll end it up so uh keep it real keep it teal and uh keep it real teal thanks everybody and have a great night we will see you after tomorrow's game